Deuteronomy 11. How many of you like choices? Choices? Anybody? Everybody like choices? How many of you want to just be told what to do, when to do it, how to do it? Well, you got a couple people. I can respect that a little bit, I guess. Most of us like choices. Most of us like to have um, several different choices. I'm the type of, the, of person that I prefer to have like one or two choices. Um, I hate having multiple choices because when you have multiple choices, there's usually one that's really close, you know, in testing. Uh, there's usually one that's really close and you're kind of like on the fence on that one you're pretty sure is right, but you're just not sure. And then there's the other two that are none of the above and something else. And so I, I don't like multiple choices. I also hate when I go to a restaurant and there's a menu that's just huge. I'm not, I, don't, I don't care for that. I, want, I usually pick one or two things. We'll go to a really fancy restaurant, and my wife will be like ordering all this fancy stuff because she likes to be fancy, and she'll say, well, what are you getting? I'll be like, chicken fingers, because I like chicken fingers, or a burger. Usually I can settle for a burger if there's no chicken fingers, but uh, that's just, I, I'm that type of person, but there are a lot of people that like a lot of choices. Some people like all kinds of different things. They like um, to try new things. They like a buffet where they can just go in and pick a few different things, but that's not me. But here's uh, a statement that maybe you've heard before. Life is full of choices, right? We've all heard that, and life really is full of choices. I mean, you choose whether to be here today or not, and I appreciate those of you who made the choice to come. Uh, there are choices which way you will take to get here. Uh, for most of you, there's more than one way to get here. There's, life is full of choices, what you want to wear, where you'll eat this afternoon, where, what, just all kinds of different things, and there's what we would call menial choices, and there's some major important decisions that you need to make in your life, and really, today is no different. Pretty much every time I preach, I leave you with a choice to make. I try to leave it with that. Leave you something, a decision to make. Today, I want to present to you two choices. I want to present to you something that's just very simple, nothing too major, just simply two choices, not a lot you have to figure out, just two choices. But I believe that everyone in the room should make a decision today. You might say, well, I'm not going to make a decision. Well, it also has been said that indecision is a decision. So you are leaving, you will leave today, I hope, and I, I believe you should be leaving today making a decision. And so I want to bring you to that point of decision today. By the end of a, the message, every person should be making a choice. Well, let's go to our text, Deuteronomy chapter 11. Jump down to verse 8 with me. Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 8. The Bible says, Therefore shall ye keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that ye may be strong and go in and possess the land whither ye go to possess it. Now just to stop there just for a second and give you a little bit of background here. Again, Moses from God is speaking to the children of Israel before they go into the promised land. They're getting ready to go in. And I mean, over the last several weeks and through the last several uh, chapters, Moses has been saying, listen, you need to understand the commandments. You need to know the commandments of God. You need to hear. You need to obey. You need to serve. You need to do all of these commandments. And God is really pouring the heat on here, if you will. Verse 9, in that ye may Prolong your days in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them, 
and to their seed, a land that floweth with milk and honey. Notice verse 10. For the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt, from whence ye came out, where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. But notice the land whither ye go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year, verse 13, and it shall come to pass if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments which I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. Verse 15, and I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Verse 17, and then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you. and Be shut up the heaven, that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, lest ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. I want to preach to you a message that I had help entitling this week, and that is the valley of decision. The valley of decision. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all you've done for us. Thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. Father, we need you at this time. I pray that we would put out all distractions, Father, myself included. There are many things going on in my mind. I pray that you would help me to focus on this right now. Father, I pray that every person in this room would be able to focus on this valley of decision a place where we need to make a choice. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins. Help us to give our all to you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to put your thinking cap on just a little bit, if you will, this morning. And think about being in the Garden of Eden. Okay, can you picture it? Beautiful Garden of Eden. Trees. Um, probably fruit trees all over the place. There's probably all kinds of different things. But what I want you to notice in the Garden of Eden is that you have to do very little work in the Garden of Eden. Okay? You walk into the Garden of Eden and there's really, everything's already there. The fruit trees are there. The vegetables are there. Everything's there for you. All you have to do is partake of it. Yes, you may have to clean up just a little bit. Keep the trees pruned and that kind of stuff. But there's very little that you have to do. You don't even have to water the trees. There's rain that waters the trees. And the Bible says that in the Garden of Eden, there were rivers flowing through the Garden of Eden. So listen, I mean, all the trees and vegetables and all these different plants had water to draw from. And so there's this wonderful opportunity for you to go in and partake of the Garden of Eden and just enjoy the fruits thereof and just basically sit, relax, and eat and be merry. That's pretty much all that was necessary. You're there and you're enjoying yourself, but now I want you to think about something. What happens if the rain stops? Well, you would say, well, I would get my watering can and I would go to the rivers and I would water all the plants. Let me ask you a question. What would happen if the rivers dried up? Oh, that's a little more 
frustrating then, isn't it? Well, I could, you could dig and you could go get a well. What happens if the well dries up? You, we've got all of these questions. What happens if? Because, see, the fact of the matter is this. The Garden of Eden was a place in which God provided everything that was needed to live there. And that's the same thing he's saying right here in this passage. Listen, this land is not a land like Egypt where you had to go plant, where you had to water, like a garden of herbs, he says. Listen, all you have to do is go and be there, and I will send the rain. This is a land that floweth with milk and honey. It's already flowing with milk and honey. It's not something that you have to do. It's not something that you have to provide for yourself. Listen, we all get in this type of situation. What I want you to notice this morning is this. If God stopped providing the needs of the garden, we would die. Because there would be nothing for us to do. We would not be able to have rain. We would not be able to have those rivers. What if God shut the sun away and the plants didn't have what we would call photosynthesis and be able to produce the fruits that they need? What if God did that? You realize God can do that, right? God can do that. So I want you to notice the first thing in this passage is that we are completely dependent upon God. Hear this. We are completely dependent upon God. If you don't understand that, you need to understand that. You might say, well, I can work. God has given you the ability to work. I can, I can uh, do anything that I want to do. Listen, God has given you the health to work. Well, I can just go buy water. Listen, God has given you your wealth. God has given you everything. God gives you air to breathe. God can touch your body and take your health away. God can touch your wallet and take your wealth away. God can take it away. Look in the book of Job. God can do that. He has the power to do that. We are completely dependent upon God. So often we think we're in control of our own lives. We think we're in control of our own destinies, but everything is in control of God. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 17, the Bible says this, that everything consists because of God. Everything. So listen, the trees, the the grass, the fruits, the vegetables, the human beings, the animals, everything consists because of God. If you don't believe that, then why are you praying for your family member to be healed? Because you're praying because God can heal. If God can take, God can heal. And if God can heal, God can take. God has the power. We are completely dependent upon God. God has control of every part of you. You know what he wanted Israel to realize here? He wanted Israel to realize, I have control. If you look through this passage again, he says, listen, I will give you the rain in its due season, the first rain and the latter rain. I will give that to you. I have control of that. But if you don't, then I will take that away. I will withhold that. And you can do all you want to do. You can fight and you can scheme and you can try to get anything you can. But listen, no matter what you do, God only has to remove one small thing out of your life and that's it. God is in complete control. God wanted to draw special attention to this point. Hey, I'm in control. 
Because, listen, we can so easily forget that God created us, and he can just as easily, if you will, uncreate us. I want you to know that this morning, that God has control. We are completely, completely, and utterly dependent upon God. But the second thing that I want you to see is this. Our input will determine God's output. You see, the wonderful news is that God holds everything and God controls everything, but we have an opportunity to input into that. We have an opportunity to give into something, and in return, God will give us an output. It's as if, and if you will allow me to use this passage, it's like the principle of sowing and reaping. You'll notice with me, if you will, in verse 14 at the end, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. You see, the fact of the matter is here that corn is planted. When you plant corn, what do you get out of it? Corn. Wow, you guys are like brilliant this morning. Stay with me, okay? We're getting to a point. The fact of the matter is that when you put corn in the ground, you no longer have control. The only control you have is the input. You don't have control of the output. You don't have control of that seed dying. You don't have control of anything. The fact of the matter is, God holds everything in his hand, and what you input is usually what you'll get output in. In fact, always, you always reap what you sow. Listen, if you want to plant a bean and try to get corn out of it, it will never happen. Our input will determine God's output. God lays it all out for us here in this passage. I want to show you the input and the output. If you input obedience, the output will be blessing. If you input disobedience, the output will be cursing. Look with me in verse 13. The Bible says, And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments which I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Here it is. That I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine, and I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle that thou mayest eat and be full. Listen, listen. Obedience as an input will output blessing. Obedience as an input will output blessing. But there's always this second choice, this disobedience. If you'll look, verse 16, the Bible says, Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. That's disobedience. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven, that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, Unless ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. You see, we need to remember that our input will determine God's output. And if we input obedience, we will be outputted blessing. And if we input disobedience, we will be outputted cursing. But we need to remember the first point. We are completely dependent upon God. 
We can input all we want and we can do everything we want, but God holds everything in his hand. God is in control of your blessing. God is in control of your cursing. He'll give you the right amount of rain that you need at the right amount of time. He'll allow those things to grow when they need to grow. So listen, if we're, if we're uh, applying this to our lives, if you will obey God, if you will obey God, he will bless you. Now how does that look? How does that look? Oh, everything in my life is going to be perfect. Well, no, that's not what it says. It says he will bless you. If you disobey God, he will curse you. Well, what does that look like? Does that mean I'm going to die immediately? Maybe. I don't know. The fact of the matter is this. Input of obedience equals blessing. In, out, input of, excuse me, of disobedience means cursing. Take it for what it is. Those are the two. Our input will determine God's output, but God is doing the work. The third thing that I want you to see this morning is that God sets before us two options. Two options. We've read all of this, we understand all this, that God is in control. Our input will determine God's output, but God sets before us two options. So I want you to jump down in Deuteronomy chapter 11, look at verse 26. Everything from verse 18 to verse 26 talks about the good things that God will do. How God will bless. How God will give. And how God will do all these things if you will just do these things. But verse 26, notice. Notice what verse 26 says. It says, behold, I set before you this day what? A blessing and a curse. Two options. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if ye obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse. If ye will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after the other gods which ye have not known. So very simply, if we can put it down on ground level, hear this. What do you want? Do you want a blessing or do you want a curse? Very simple. If you want a blessing, obey. If you want a curse, disobey. If you want a blessing, serve and love and, 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 and go all, all for God. If you want a curse, go serve other gods. Go serve yourself. You see, the, the decision is very simple. Just two options. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. But the interesting thing about this whole entire passage that I found was found in verse 29. The Bible says this. And it shall come to pass. He's already given you this, set before you. And it shall come to pass when the Lord thy God hath brought thee into the land, whither thou goest to possess it. Watch this, that thou shalt put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim and the curse upon Mount Ebal. So he says, listen, when you get into the land, when you come into this land, I want you to find Mount Gerizim and I want you to put the blessing on top of it. What does that mean? And when you find Mount Ebal, I want you to put the cursing on top of that. 
doesn't make sense, does it? How do you put a blessing on top of a mountain? How do you put a curse on top of a mountain? He gives them two mountains to picture the blessing and cursing and help them make a decision. I want to show you a picture of those two mountains. This is difficult to see. But this is literally Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. This is coming in and looking to the west. So they have just entered into the promised land, and this is what they see. Mount Ebal to the north is, and actually Mount Ebal means bald. Look at Mount Ebal, you can see the brown, it's just bald. But to the south is Mount Gerizim. Look at Mount Gerizim, it's green, it's lush, it's wonderful, it's beautiful. Do you see the difference? Listen, these are, these are this close to each other in real life. They're the same climate. They're the same everything. Listen, that's, that's something to be said. Circumstances don't mean anything. Hear this. If you obey, you will receive a blessing. If you disobey, you will receive a curse. Mount Gerizim was the mount of blessing. Mount Ebal was the mount of curse. And so can you picture this with me? You walk in to the promised land. You've just conquered Jericho and you look up and you see this bald mountain. And you see this mountain that's luscious and green. And you go, oh, yeah. That's what God was talking about. He says, you place that blessing upon the mountain, Mount Gerizim. And you place that curse, that curse upon Mount Ebal, you see what God is showing them is that when they choose to obey, they will have blessing. When they choose to disobey, they will have cursing. You see, God is literally setting before them a blessing and a curse. Look at verse 26 again. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. I set it before you. This was a place where choices were made. This is a place where options were weighed. This is a place where decisions were made. It is in this place that God set before his children two choices. If you will, it was the valley of decision. It was the valley of decision. And there are days that you are in this valley of decision. There are times in your life where you have to decide, what am I going to do? I'm standing in this valley, and I look up, and I see two mountains, one that's blessing and one that's curse, one that's green, one that's bald. What do I do? Man, this looks like a difficult mountain to climb. Man, that one looks so easy. Blessing, curse. But I want you to notice something about this picture, and I want you to notice the city that's in between. See, the city is important. Because that city, the city is named Shechem. And just outside of Shechem to the Mount Ebal side is a city called Sychar. There's two cities in this general area, Shechem and Sychar. Sychar is important. 
Do you know that Sychar is only found once in the Bible? I want to show it to you. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. This is a valley of decision. John chapter 4. And verse 4. John chapter 4 and verse 4. The Bible says this. And he, being Jesus, must needs go through Samaria. By the way, these two mountains are in Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Now, watch this. Jesus is getting ready to give her two choices. Jesus is getting ready to present to her two choices in the valley of decision. You can either drink of Jacob's well, or you can drink of the water of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 13, you see her decision. Jesus answered and said unto her, watch this, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. It's like desert, just drinks up the water, doesn't do anything with it. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Look at verse 15. Look at the decision she makes. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not. Neither come hither to draw. Listen, she may not have understood all that was entailed in, in choosing living water. But she knew, I don't want Mount Ebal. I want Mount Gerizim. I don't want cursing. I want blessing. Listen, if you're not saved here today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, will you hear this? Obedience to God is blessings in heaven. Disobedience to God is cursing in hell. I don't make the rules. But this is God in control. And your input will determine God's output. So you can say, you know what, I don't care about Jesus Christ. I don't care what he did for me. I'm going to stay over here and I'm going to choose cursing. Your input will determine God's output. And God said if you choose that, you will go to hell. And he gave this lady the same choice. He says, listen, come over here. I want to show you something. That water over there, you'll thirst again. This water over here, you'll never thirst again. And it'll be a well of, of life everlasting. It's going to be something wonderful. Listen, if you choose to obey, if you input obedience, God said, you'll be with me. You'll have blessings. You'll see the river of life you'll see 
the streets of gold. You'll see that fruit tree that has 12 different fruits on it every month of the year. Listen, these are all things that God says, cursing or blessing, cursing or blessing. And it happened in this valley. He gave a woman a choice. So I bring to you, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you've never accepted him, then I give you the choice today. But there's another story that happened here in this valley. Again, I mentioned the term Shechem or the city of Shechem. So we saw the woman at the well. Sorry about that, guys, back there. But I want you to see Joshua's challenge. Joshua's challenge. In this same valley was the city of Shechem. So I want you to go over to Joshua chapter 24 with me. Joshua 24. Shechem was a place that ended up being very important. A very important place in the life of Joshua himself. Joshua, we know, to be the next leader of the children of Israel after Moses dies. And this is going to be an important place for the children of Israel. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 1. The Bible says, And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. And called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. Now jump down to verse 15 with me. Verse 15, the Bible says, remember where he's at. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, look what he gives. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's in the valley of decision. And he says to the people, listen, you can see the two mountains. Which one do you want? Choose you this day whom ye will serve. Do you want God or do you want the gods of the Amorites? Do you want blessing or do you want cursing? You can visually see it. You can see what God is doing. Joshua chose to serve God. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're choosing Mount Gerizim. He brought Israel to that same place, a place where they needed to make a decision. A decision to follow the Lord or a decision to follow other gods. And I again set before you this day a blessing and a curse. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Will you serve God? Will you look at those two mountains and say, that's a no-brainer. I want blessing. Then obey God. Choose him. If you say, you know what, I don't care about God. I don't care about his blessings. I'm going to make it on my own. Just remember, God is in control of everything, and your input will determine God's output. You can make those choices. It is absolutely 100% your choice. This decision that 
the children of Israel made, they made in the valley of decision. But can I tell you something? This is a decision you will have to make probably every single day of your life. When you wake up in the morning, maybe you, I don't know what you do, but maybe you just make a decision. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Who am I going to serve? Am I going to serve God or am I going to serve myself? Am I going to serve God or am I going to serve someone else? Am I going to serve God or am I going to serve my boss? It's all about serving God. This is a decision that you will have to make in the valley. You know what a valley is? It's a low point. It's a low point in which things, maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're hurting. You're down in the dumps, so to speak, and this is a time when you will have to make this decision. Am I going to serve God? Am I going to have to serve myself? The valley are points, excuse me, the valleys are points in which you are so low that you don't know which way to turn. Would you physically remember, mentally remember the two choices. You see, God has a unique way of putting things into perspective. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Behold, I set before you a blessing and a curse. These two examples, woman at the well and Joshua's challenge, both happened with these two mountains as a backdrop. These two examples were decisions made to follow God. The woman at the well I'll choose the living water. Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So what is your decision? What decision are you going to make? Obedience for blessing, disobedience for cursing. Again, behold, I set before you this day a blessing 